publicans and sinners. And they didn't think that this was very wise. And they just didn't think it was wise at all. You know, Jesus, if he had wanted to, could have become the most popular man ever to live. Now, when I say the most popular, he was considered to be quite notorious among a certain religious group in his day. And his fame spread. But on the other hand, they, they didn't take to him because Jesus broke all of their traditions. He just diametrically crossed all of their paths. It just went right across the grain. Of course, <clears throat> you know that uh, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. I talked about this last Thursday evening. We took our text from Luke 19.10. We have it on the sign over to my left and to your right. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This was the mission of Jesus. This also must be the mission of the church. And what I'd like to speak to you on this morning is the subject, lost but not forgotten. And I think that all of the scriptures that I have read to you, and especially a little closer look at the parables will reveal, that in every case there was lingering in the mind of God that something was not where it ought to be. And if you are under the sound of my voice today, and you feel that your status is not right with God, or your relationship with God is not alive and vibrant, I want you to know Jesus is concerned, and Jesus has not forgotten you. I think to be forgotten is one of the, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's just one of the, the saddest feelings <clears throat> that uh, that a person could have. I I just this morning had to apologize. I was supposed to call Brother Sandon this week, and I I just it slipped my mind. Now my wife warned me. I said warned me. <laughs> I shouldn't use the word warn. I didn't mean to use that. My, my wife informed me <laughs> several times this week. Now, you need to call Brother Sandin. And I said, yes, I will. I just got busy and just forgot. And, you know, the, 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 the bad thing, I don't know how Brother Sandin felt about it, but I hate to tell him because I have had people <clears throat> that had made appointments with me and it was so very important. And for their sake and mine. And they'd come up later and say, I just forgot. You know, and what's in the back of my mind, what could be so important that they would forget what we were doing and what we were planning? I remember <clears throat> one time I forgot our wedding anniversary. 
And we had been married only a few short years, and we were sitting down at the table with some friends, brother and sister Fuller, David Fuller. And we were eating a nice supper, and my wife is, you know, she wants to be so modest about everything. And all during the course of the day, she kept telling me how sweet I was and how much that she loved me. She was trying to give me a hint. But I didn't catch on. I just didn't catch on. And we were eating the meal that evening, and Sister Fuller let it slip. She said, so this is your 10th anniversary. I don't know. I th- I'm just putting 10 there. It was about 10. So this is your 10th anniversary. And Sister Grant didn't say anything. And I... Uh, yes, it's... It sure is. Well, yeah, I'm glad you... Wow, and I looked at my wife, and she just kind of hung her head. And I said, oh, hon, I'm so sorry. I said, I am so sorry. Well, <clears throat> I uh, that was next to the worst thing in our relationship. I, I had a, uh, a birthday. She had a birthday that I forgot one time, and I felt so bad about it. And, of course, the reason why... I felt bad about it it's because, <laughs> now you're going to laugh at this, but this is this is the truth. I had a, a, a registered beagle hound, and this beagle hound had a birthday the day before Sister Grant's. And I called this little dog in the house, I called her a little bit, you know, she's a little short 13-inch beagle hound, and I was just wishing her happy birthday and, you know, just playing with her and... <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what? <clears throat> this November the sixth, I'll be married thirty-four years. We almost didn't make it. I mean, we <clears throat> we we hit a rough spot there. <laughs> the next day, <clears throat> it was her birthday, and, and I just plumb forgot it. I just, I you know, every now and then, now you you know. Your brain just goes into neutral. And and you just, you know, you have some of those mental blocks. You've, you've had some of those, haven't you? And, wow. I remember uh, one time stressing revival prayer meeting. This is right after we started revival prayer meetings. I was stood behind the pulpit, and I just, I mean to tell you, I just really let you people have it about the revival prayer meeting. And would you believe... That Friday night, it was on Friday night, Friday night about 10 o'clock, uh, I was sipping some coffee at the house, and I happened to think about the revival prayer meeting. I thought, oh my. I said, Darlene. I said, it's all over with, but we forgot the prayer meeting. <clears throat> what could we I didn't tell anybody. <clears throat> Brother Crowder was in charge of the prayer meeting then, <clears throat> and he was just so modest, and he came up, and I just, I didn't hardly know what to say. I just, uh, 
just, mm, you know, just, mm. he probably went away wondering where I was. I, did, I just didn't have the courage to tell him I'd forgotten. Well, I will assure you of this one thing. People may forget about you. And they may forget about some special and certain occasions. But the Lord never forgets about you. He never will. Prior to his ascension into the heavens, this is what he said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Now in the parables that we read, <clears throat> we find there are three conditions. And these three causes <clears throat> or classes, maybe I should say, seem to represent all of the lost of the world. I just want to run through these with you. The first parable, and so we'll read this complete parable. The first parable is the parable of the lost sheep. And he spake this parable of them saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. Notice the effort that's put forth by the shepherd. The Bible says that he leaves the ninety and nine in the wilderness and he goes after that which is lost. I'm just so very thrilled about what the Lord is doing. So very thrilled. Praise God. Got a call from Rich Thomas last night on my answering machine, and he was just, oh my, he was so happy. Uh, we had some people to go out and knock doors yesterday, and I think uh, some people went to Sister Jewel's home and, and uh, prayed with her, and she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Is that correct, Jewel? I want you to stand up, Jewel. Would you do that? I want you to turn around and face all these people. This lady received the Holy Ghost yesterday. <clears throat> Isn't that great? Just fantastic. Praise God. See, the mission of the church must be the same mission that Jesus has. Praise God. And the Bible says when he found it, he laid it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I think every time someone is found by God, that all of those associated with his kingdom rejoices. First, God himself, or should we say Jesus Christ, rejoices. Then all the angels rejoice. We know that. And then, of course, all of God's children should rejoice. All of God's children. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now, the first condition that I'm speaking of, if you feel that you're lost, this may or may not fit you. Because we're talking about three different classes that seem to fit the total, uh, in other words, uh, uh, maybe I should rephrase it and say that every person is found in one of the three classes. 
you will find that the Lord's talking about people that that are associated with the fold, but they just stray. They just stray. Uh, this this is especially true, I think, with with a lot of uh, young people who have parents that that are saved. These young people come and give their heart to the Lord, but they never really dig in and get a deep rooted intimacy with God. In other words, they never develop that relationship. They feel comfortable because mom's praying or dad's praying. They feel that everything, you know, just God has favored their household. They've experienced the blessings. <clears throat> they know what Christianity is all about. They know what God of living is all about. They've been in revival service after revival service, prayer meeting after prayer meeting. They've been in so many different uh, spiritual settings. But the problem is, because that they don't have the relationship with God that they need, they're going to stray. I remember when I first, the first day on the campus, Texas Bible College, Brother Fred Foster, who was our, our uh, the, the president of the college, called all of us young ministers together, and he says, now I want to talk with you. He said, most of you, I've noticed on your applications when you came, most of you come from Christian homes. Most of you come from pastors' homes. Now, he said, I, I just want you to know that the best place in the world to backslide is when you're studying the Bible and you're in a Christian college. And the reason why is because you take so many things for granted. You just assume that family back home is praying. You, 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 some of you don't remember a life outside of the church. You just you you don't know what it's like out there. You just you don't even remember that. He said, for the most part, you lived on mom and dad's experience. But he said, we're here. This is where the rubber meets the road now. And you're going to have to build a re an experience yourself. That simply means that I not only request. I expect you at all of the prayer meetings. I will not tolerate any of the laying in in the morning and missing classes. You know, you're going to have to take God seriously. Well, I, of course, I, I had a couple of children when I went to Bible school, and I'd been pretty active in our local assembly in, in Henderson. I thought, for the most part, I was kind of weaned away from mom's Christian experience. You follow what I'm saying? That there was a time when she kind of opened her hand and let me fly on my own. And I'd taught a Sunday school class and a few things. But uh, I was very interested in what he was saying because, well, I, number one, I didn't want this to happen to me. But I knew that I'd be pastoring soon and I, I just needed to carefully observe this. I saw young men come with good attitudes. It wasn't long until they were on a job, the first job some of them had had in their whole life. And they were working pretty much full-time, yet going to school full-time. I will say that my tenure at TBC was the roughest part of my whole life. 
I worked full time trying to support my family, go to school. I, I actually thought I was going to die a few times. I was so tired. I was working on the job one night, and I just fainted. I mean, passed out. I had to bring a rescue rescue squad and pick me up and give me oxygen, take me off to the to the clinic. They had a clinic there where I worked. I thought, man, I'll never make this. But I determined in my heart that I was going to keep praying and I was going to keep seeking God because I saw some of my friends as they developed other interests. You know, it's he's talking about sheep, and we might as well just throw this phrase in because this is where it came from. You know, if you have a cow... It, it has a problem with getting through the fence. It's just like the cow saying the grass is always greener on the other side. Some of you that have an association that goes all the way back to the farm days, you know what I'm talking about. They're just, they're just some animals that I don't care where you put them, the grass is always better some other place. And, and this, this seems to get a hold of some people. And especially to our young people, let, let me tell you, some of our young people just in their own heart, they feel that what they need to do is go out and experience life because this, this sheltered, this clustered environment, it's, it's just, let me have my way. Let me fly with my own wings. Open your hand, pastor. Open your hand, mom and dad. Let me go try my wings out. And, and what they do then is just step by step, they just seem to leave the fold. They really never intended to end up in the ditch someplace, hung up in the briars. That's not what they intended. They wanted the bright side of life. They wanted the green pastures. They wanted just to go out there and just be free and cut all ties and be independent. But they never intended to be lost but the truth of the matter is regardless of what their intentions were when they left the fold they were just as lost as anybody else is you know you cannot go to heaven on mom's experience or dad's experience just because you sit on a on a seat inside of a sanctuary and, and you feel sheltered because people are praying for you. you. You can't go to heaven on that. There is a time in which you have to buckle down and you have to put your own prayers in operation. You, you, you've got to basically pray your own prayers, fight your own devils, win your own battles, stand on your own two feet. That's what you have to do. And I've just I've pastored so many, especially young people. Now, most, most of our young people are not here in the auditorium. A few of them are. Most of them are in the youth class. But let me say this. I think all of us take comfort in just the thought that somebody's praying for us. But on the other hand, just because someone's praying for you does not mean that you should not pray yourself. Just because someone's calling your name in prayer doesn't mean that you should call your own name in prayer. 
Because I don't care how much people pray for you or how much people seek God for you, nothing will keep you in the church unless you develop a relationship with the shepherd. You, you won't stay in. It's impossible. Unless there is a longing to be near the shepherd, you'll stray. You see, this little sheep, as this sheep begins to nibble, 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 lose sight of the shepherd and lose sight of the flock. And, and he just keeps eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. Little does he know that he's eating a path to destruction. You've got to keep your eye on the flock, and you've got to keep your eye on the shepherd. And if you don't keep your eye on the flock and keep your eye on the shepherd, you'll stray. It's just that simple. And that's what Jesus was saying. So It's a simple story, but what he's saying is that some people are lost not because they intend to be lost, not even because that they make such bad choices. It's just that they seemingly don't make a choice at all. They just, they're, they're just there and they just all of a sudden wake up one day and they say, where's God? Where's the church? What happened to me? And they can't find their way back. And you've got to understand in this parable, and this represents a, a special class I'm here to tell you, we have young people right now that are not living for God. And they think, well, I can just, anytime I want to, I can find my way back to God. Let me tell you something. You can get so tangled up in the briar patches of life that you can't do anything about it. Nothing. <clears throat> the only thing that can save you is for the shepherd to come. And yank you out. Take the staff. You know what the crook on the end of the staff is for? You know why the staff sometimes is six, seven, eight feet tall? It's because the shepherd can take the end of it and reach down and put the little crook around the neck of the lamb and literally pull him out. And let me tell you something. When God starts pulling you out, it is indeed a neck-wrenching experience. <clears throat> because when you're tangled with the world and God begins to pull on you, some of the greatest inner struggles that man has ever known will take place. I've seen people pray at the altar and one moment... They were giving their lives so wholeheartedly to God. And the next moment, it was like they were just fighting against God. Why? Because the world had them entangled. They had developed habits. They had developed a lifestyle. And what they were saying one moment is, I want to let go. And the world was saying, but I won't let you go. And God was saying, but you must let go. And they were saying, oh God, help me let go. And they were kind of caught right in the middle of this struggle. God was pulling and God was tugging. 
The most unhappy people in the world are people who stray. Praise God. Now, we want to go to the next <coughs> class. <coughs> in verse 8, Either that woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, we're looking at a little bit different situation here. We're looking at a coin that is lost. And you have to keep one thing in mind, that a coin seemingly does not have the ability to move. In other words, the, the coin does not have the ability to do anything about its situation. <clears throat> this, represents, this represents more people than any other class. And the reason why is because it represents the person who is displaced in life. Now, I did not say misplaced. Now, if you lose something, you misplace things, and they can be lost. But displacement means that something is put in a different place than where it should be. It's like you take and set up a filing system and you get this real important confidential letter and it must remain on file and you put it in some other place than where it should be. And so as a result, it is there in the file. It has been displaced. In other words, it was put there. <clears throat> and let's take the story a little bit further. Perhaps it was put there by someone who knew the person who had written the letter, and the intent was that the person who is to respond and take care of this matter cannot and will not be able to find it. Did you file the letter? Yes, I filed the letter. But now the letter is lost. It's lost because it is displaced. It was not by accident. That this happened. This represents the vast of humanity. How many people are in this category? They are, they're not even aware that they're lost. They don't have any idea. They were born to parents that never prayed with them. They're born to parents that never talked about God. They're born to parents that never took them to church. They're born to parents that never taught them the difference between right and wrong, moral and immoral. Some of them have never even heard the saving name of Jesus Christ. Some of them do not know the story of Calvary. Some of them know nothing about the blood of the Lamb. Some of them know nothing about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of them know nothing about the ascension. Some of them know nothing about the day of Pentecost. Some of them know nothing about speaking in tongues and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They've never heard of this. Absolutely, they have never heard of this. 
The Scripture says, listen to this, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen to this. Oh, listen to this. This is so serious. This is so important. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The vast amount of humanity is lost because of displacement. And like the coin, they're under the rug. In other words, they're in total darkness. And if you notice, a woman is used. This represents the bride of Christ or the church. It is our responsibility to inform them that they're lost. It's our responsibility to inform them that Jesus Christ can save. It's our responsibility to inform them that they can live the good life. Be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. The coin could not help where it was and had absolutely no comprehension of where it was and couldn't do anything about it. And it's going to remain there until somebody finds it. We hear missionaries all the while coming by. And they say, I preach to this village. And in this village where I preach, not one soul had ever heard of the saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you that there are a lot of people that have heard the name of Jesus Christ that still fit in this category. And the reason why is because if they wanted to do something about this horrible lost feeling that they have, they wouldn't know where to turn. They wouldn't know what to do. You know, we live in religious America. A lot of us can sing the old rugged cross backwards. I mean, we've heard these stories. We've heard all, and every radio station that you turn to. But you see, they're locked in darkness because they never were taught. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? In other words, every one of God's called must be sent. Jesus said, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Jesus Christ had a mission he was sent in the world to seek and save that which was lost. And those people who are displaced in life, they will not be found until someone recognizes their calling, their sin of God to go and find them. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. For they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith 
cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You heard me preach the message on the origin of faith. I am convinced, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the only way that faith can come to an individual, saving faith, is for him to respond to the voice of God. And the voice of God speaks inwardly to all men. I won't take a lot of time to prove that scripturally. I can prove that scripturally. I believe little children are born hearing the voice of God. They are. And when you respond to that voice, when you say yes to that voice, that's what faith is. But you see, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. If you look at the Greek word for word that's found here, it's rhema. That's the inner voice of God speaking inside of every person. Even when I stand here today and preach the Word, which is the Logos, the confirmation that you have when I preach this is inside of you, God begins to talk. When I speak from this book, God begins to talk inside of you. This is the reason why the truth has the cutting edge on all other philosophies and doctrines. And the reason why is because when a person hears the truth for the first time, it's like he's heard it all of his life. But you see, the problem is, unless someone comes along and explains the Word of God, unless they proclaim the Word of God, unless they take time to rightly divide the Word of God for you, you're not aware of what voice you are hearing. And you don't know what to do about it. Now, scripturally speaking, the world will never be religious free. I don't care how many people rise up and say that God is dead. And there is no God. I don't care how many people say that. Please keep in mind... According to the Scripture, and the Scripture is the Word of God that's forever settled in heaven. Even after the church is gone from the planet earth, and God has withdrawn His Holy Spirit from talking to men, you have to keep in mind, the only way the Antichrist and the false prophet can conquer humanity is through a false God movement called the Antichrist movement. That's the only way. Because man will never be religious free. But just because man is not religious free, and just because he hears the voice of God, does not mean he has the ability to do anything about it. I think some of you, at one time or another, you fit into this category. The person who was displaced, the person who did not have Christian parents, the person who knew nothing of God, but somebody came along sweeping the floor and looking under the rugs and found you. You need to be extremely thankful. Because you were locked into a position and you could do absolutely nothing about it. Nothing about it. 
And the salvation of this class is is determined by the willingness of the church to sweep the floors and look under the rugs. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Oh, God. My Lord and my Savior. (laughs) I love you, God. I thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Praise God. Now, the next class we find in the parable of the lost son, starting with verse 11 of Luke 15, and he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, forgive me, pardon me, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Now, here's a class. These people are lost because they make deliberate choices to be lost. They did not stray. They were not displaced. They just simply all of a sudden decided, I've had enough. I think I'd just like to go and take my life elsewhere. And this happens. I think one of the saddest moments in in all of my pastoral experiences came after several weeks of talking to a couple, a couple that I loved, a couple that was very very close to Sister Grant and I, a couple that I I I I just I, I really cared for them. But uh, they just uh, began to look at a lot of different situations in life and all the money that they had been given to the house of God. And, and they, they did. They supported the house of God very well. Great supporters. Uh, they also spent a lot of time teaching home Bible studies. They decided that they needed more time to do the things they wanted to do. Purchased another home and got caught up in a lifestyle that was a little bit uh, better than it ever had before. They moved out of a pretty small home into a nice large home. And I talked with his people. The man came by my office. I talked with him. I remember the time in which in our old church, the man came up and handed me his church key. And instead of saying, well, goodbye, Brother Grant, This is what he said. He said, so long, Pastor. He made a deliberate choice. I made a deliberate choice. And this is true of a lot of people. You know, of all the people that you see backslide, I think probably this is the saddest of all. You see the person straying. You do everything you can to herd them back. Well, what do you do to a, with a person who simply says, No, I know. You, can't, you cannot name one scripture that I have not read. You can't tell me anything that I don't already know. I have made up my mind. I am not living for God. What can you do then? In other words, they take all your arguments away from you. They have they have chosen a defense to get you off their backs. 
And you will find in a situation like this, the Father that represents Jesus Christ, even Jesus will get off their back. You know that? Really? <clears throat> I remember talking to an individual one time that was attending church, and this man came up to me and said, Listen, Pastor, stay off my case. I said, What do you mean, stay off your case? I have any, I have any other than preaching. Now, my preaching sometimes will rub people the wrong way. I know that. But this is what he said. He said, I know you are praying for me. And I said, yes. He said, that's what I'm saying. Don't pray for me. I said, well, you understand what you're talking about when you say don't pray for you. Do you realize that you're walking away from God? He said, yes. Do you realize if you walk away from God... And if something happens to you that you will be lost eternally forever? He said, yes. And you still don't want me to pray? He says, right. Now, some people are not that adamant. But you know, the truth of the matter is, God will give every man enough elbow room to go to hell. If he wants to go. And I think one of the most beautiful doctrines in the whole Bible. And this can be used against a person who makes wrong decision. Is the power to choose. I think the beauty of holiness as it applies to godly living. Is found in this concept. I do what I want to do by choice. In other words, nobody makes me. I did not call up one person this morning and say, look, when you come to church, you have a good attitude. You be Christian. You hear? <clears throat> I didn't call up one person. And yet when I walked in the house of God, I saw so many smiling faces, so many godly people, Taking my hand, Pastor, it's good to see you. I mean, you know, you come in and you feel so welcome. Well, my, I belong here. I've been here longer than most of you. But some of you just go to such great extremes and make me feel welcome. I missed last Sunday morning. I was on a flight from L.A. back here preaching a camp in, in California. Someone says, Pastor, it's good to have you in the house of God this morning. I went on my office store. I found this tie hanging. It's in a little, little bag. And I looked down. I thought, boy, is this ever. This is sharp, but it's bright. And someone put their head in the door and says, we bought you this tie. And I said, I suppose you want me to wear it this morning? They said, yes. And I pulled it out of the sack and looked at it. And I looked at it. And I looked at it. And I looked at it. <laughs> And I said, well, it's a little dull, you know, but I think I'll wear it. So I went and <clears throat> buttoned my, I've got these button-down. Don't get these button-down collars. These things are a big hassle. I don't know why they make these anyway. So if you're buying shirts, don't get they. Somebody says they look nice, but they don't. They look. I got these, I, I got uh, this tie on. I couldn't button this down, and Brother Seidel was out here singing, and 
I said, oh, I've got to get out. Everybody's worshiping. I'm trying to get dressed. And, you know, I come out here, and, and would you believe <clears throat> I had a, a sore throat this morning when I came, and, and Sister Rossing sent her daughter <clears throat> in the office with a cup of coffee. And here I was sitting in there with a cup of coffee and a new tie. And I came out here and everybody's just smiling. Praise God. Choices that people make. I choose to be happy. I choose to serve God. I choose to be friendly. I like this life. But what are you going to do when a person comes and says, I don't want any more of it. I'm not giving one more dime to missions. That's it. You will find <clears throat> that this is the only condition in which there seemed to be no effort of the church or God to win the person back. That's, that's bad. Because they made a deliberate choice. Now, does that mean that God had forgotten? Oh, never. Does that mean God did not send forth His convicting spirit and talk inwardly to the man? Oh, never. That's not what we're saying. But the man who does this, the Bible says, when he got out in this far country and he began to want, and he'd spent all the money, and he realized that managing separate and apart from God's principles did not work. And spent his money on riotous living. He ended up in the pig pen. There are certain circumstances that have to change some people's mind. And this man's going to have to have a brain transplant in order to come back to God. But the Bible says that when he got to looking at the way these pigs were treating him. That he was feeding the pigs and the pigs were feeding him. Because he was eating with them. 17. He came to himself. Now what happened? He said, how many hired servants in my father's house have bread enough to spare? And here I am out here perishing with hunger. This is what he says. I will arise. And I will go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He arose and he came to his father. But when he was yet away off, the father saw him. Do you know the reason why he saw him? He was watching that path where he had walked away. I wonder if this will be the day in which my son will make an appearance. Will he come home? And when the father saw him afar off, the Bible says, he had compassion. And what did he do? He ran. And fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. 
In other words, it was like a magnet. They, they, they came together. The son was running to meet the father. And the father was waiting for him. But the father said unto the servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Isn't this something? You would think when people make bad choices and they say, I don't want God and I don't want God's house and no more of this missionary giving and no more of these prayer meetings, you'd think God would just be so upset that when you came back he'd penalize you. He'd say, look, this time you're not going to have it so nice. But that's not the nature of God. I have found this out about God a long time ago. God will do every good thing he can for every person he can. That's his nature. (laughs) Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. In other words, we're going to have a big, big party tonight. (laughs) For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Lost, but not forgotten. In closing, I'd like to turn your attention to Mark, the 8th chapter. And I want to read... Just a few scriptures. Mark 8, verse 34, And when he had called his people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whatsoever, for whosoever, you'll have to forgive me this morning, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, And the gospels, the same, shall save it. Now verse 36, listen to this. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Let me tell you, there's no job that pays enough for you to jeopardize your soul for it. There's no vocation that is so rewarding that you should miss out on God. There is absolutely nothing in this life that you should give in exchange for your soul. Verse 37, of what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's no fun that you can have. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Lost. But not forgotten can you save yourself the scripture tells us in isaiah 45 22 it was god who saved and only god the scripture also tells us in deuteronomy 33 29 happy art thou O israel and then i'm paraphrasing this for you have been saved by god can you save yourself no Now, all of you who are unsaved, you fit into one of these categories. Are you the wandering sheep, the displaced coin, 
or the rebellious son who made wrong decisions. But all of you who are unsaved, you are one of these. But I want you to know, Jesus loves you. And Jesus has not forgotten where you are. Would you stand with me? Oh, God. Praise God. Let's bow our heads. Now, Lord Jesus, I have preached what you have given me for this day. And I am asking right now that you stretch forth your hand. Open the understanding of every person here that they may see themselves and where they are. And I pray, God, give that wandering sheep enough courage to call for your near right now. Tangled up in the briars of life. Give that wandering sheep enough courage to call and get the shepherd's attention. I pray also, Lord, that if there is a displaced human being in this congregation, as we sweep the floor clean, and as your Holy Spirit is dealing, that somehow the light would fall upon that coin, we would see the need of that person and invite that person to be saved. Lord, if there is a person that's made a wrong turn as a result of an incorrect decision and rebelliously stepped away, deal with that right now, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Have your way right now, God. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we want our praise singers to sing. And as they begin to pray, or sing rather, and you begin to pray, would you step out and come and give your heart to God? Do that. Just come down the front and around the pulpit here. Kneel. Somebody will come pray with you. Somebody will follow you. Come on. Come on right now. Be the first one to roll open wide thine arms of love, Lord. I'm coming. Home. Come on, right now. Some of you come and pray with this lady. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. Do we have someone else who'd come and give their heart to God? Step out right where you are. Make the decision today to be found. Come on, right now. If someone has drawn cold in God or wandered away astray, Step out, come on. Come on, step out and come and give your heart to God. Lord, I'm coming.